Everyone grab your Bible, grab your Bible and turn with me to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter number four. We're going to take a little break from our series and uh, we're going to talk about getting connected. Uh, most of you saw when you came in the building today, all the life group uh, uh, spread abroad and uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to pull nothing over on you. I'm trying my best to motivate you today to get connected. Uh, the whole sermon today is going to be encouraging you to get connected. Here at Temple, we do three things. We love God. We that's all, all, We're going to have to do foundations class over again, all right? Here we go. We love God, love others, serve both, right? We love God. We love others and we serve both. We have an atmosphere. We have an atmosphere to love God. You just experienced it. How many of y'all love God this morning? And was worshiping him and thinking about what he has done for us. This is our atmosphere where we love God. This is where we come in and offer our praise and our glory and honor and, and our thanksgiving and rejoice in who he is. Say amen. But then we need an atmosphere where we can love on each other. Now, that's not what we do in here, okay? We don't have time. We don't have time. Uh, you can't get close to people in here. Uh, you know, Jalen gives us five seconds to shake hands. Amen. We, this is just, this is not the atmosphere for that. You say, what is the atmosphere? It's our life groups. That's where we love on each other. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But let's do this real quickly. Let's look over in Ecclesiastes chapter number four. And uh, in, in verse number, I almost, I'm talking about, I came within a frog hair from just changing the whole outline this morning. And, uh, and instead of causing chaos, because that would have caused chaos, I'm probably just going to do it next week. <clears throat> so uh, uh, we're going to, we're going to, uh, they don't know this. So remind me to tell the staff uh, that we're going to do this again next week. Because uh, uh, it is really good. It's just going to tie in good with what we're doing. Uh, but here in Ecclesiastes chapter uh, number 4, in verse number 8, verse number 8, if you're there, say amen. amen. It says, there is one, what's that word? Alone. alone. What a sad sounding word. There is one alone, and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet there is no end of all his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches, neither saith he, for whom do I labor? Why am I doing all this? Why am I killing myself out in the fields? Why am I doing all this if I'm alone? For whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? This is also vanity. Solomon says it's empty. Yea, it is a sore travail. It's a hard thing to do. But he says, two are better than Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Preacher, what, what are you saying? I'm saying it's not good to be alone. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for the great crowd this morning. We're thankful for the spirit that's in this place. We're thankful for the worship. We're thankful for an atmosphere where we can come and love on you and worship you and feel your love back to us. Lord, I thank you for the, 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 the many people that are here to learn and to grow and to, to, to expand their knowledge of you. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us now. I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. and Don't let me forget anything I should. God will be careful to give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the power. Lord, everything, you're worthy of our praise. And Lord, I pray that we can motivate and encourage a bunch of people to be, get connected today. And God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. 
If you go back, if you go back and look in Genesis, right in the very beginning, uh, God is in the, in, the, in the process of creating everything. He creates, the, he creates light and he says, boy, that's good. That's good. He, 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 he separates. Listen, uh, he, he separates the water from the land and he says, man, that's good. He, he, he creates the, the grass in the trees and, and says, boy, that's good. Then he makes the, the sun and the moon and puts them out in, in, in the orbit there. And, and he says, boy, that's good. He creates all of marine life and all of the birds that fly in the air. And he looks at it and says, that's good. Then he, then he creates all the beasts of the field, all of the animal life on the dry land. And he looks at that and he says, man, that's good. Are y'all with me? Do y'all see a pattern here? Then he digs into the earth and he forms man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and he becomes a living soul. Listen, he puts man in that garden and he gives him a job to do and gives him things to accomplish. And he's sitting here looking at this and he says, you know what? This ain't good. The first time you see that in scripture is when man was alone, God said, this is not, this is not good. He said, I will, I will make a help meet for him. Created, created woman, and now it's been happily ever after. <laughs> I sense sarcasm. No, listen, it's not good to be alone. The, listen, the, 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 the King Solomon, he is seeing a man out in a field who has no relatives. He has no connections. He's alone. He's killing himself over what he's doing. And he said, what a waste of time. What an emptiness. And, what a, and, he, and he uses the term sore travail. In other words, all his work, as hard as it is, is not going to do anything but create pain because he's alone. He said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, uh, two are better than, he said, it's better to be connected. It's better to have people Listen, loneliness is in a, at an epidemic proportion right now. It really is. Uh, the percentage of Americans who responded that they regularly or frequently felt lonely was between 11% and 20%, watch this, in the 70s and 80s. In the 70s and 80s, 11% and 20%, right? But today... 52% of Americans report feeling lonely. 47% report their relationships with others aren't meaningful, have no meaningful relationships. Almost half the country. 59% of Americans say they have a best friend. Now, what does that tell me? That tells me you can have a best friend and still be lonely. Y'all hear that? Now, listen, 12%. 12% of Americans say they feel they don't have any close friends. 50, I, I, this one staggered me a little bit. 57% over half of Americans report eating all meals alone. Alone. Over 50%. 58% of Americans reported that they sometimes or always feel like no one knows them very well. Now, this is not just for older folks, and we would think it would be worse than older folks, but it's really not. Some of you parents of teenagers in here, I need you to really listen to this. More than 80%, say that with me, more than 80%, more than 80 of young people under the age of 18 report feeling lonely. That is, that is staggering. More than 80% of young people under the age of 18 report feeling lonely. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying you parents who don't get up and get your kids to Wednesday night to get them connected to other kids, you should be ashamed of yourself. Listen, we have an epidemic. We have an epidemic. Loneliness is so pervasive today. 
I think technology has a lot to do with that. I think we've, we've created an atmosphere where it's easier to be alone than it is to uh, have to deal with the things that you have to deal with when you're around people. We can just go and get on our computer. Are y'all with? Come on. Listen, 80% under the age of 18 report feeling lonely. Only 40% of people over 65 report feeling occasionally lonely. That's probably because none of them on the internet. Say amen. 43% of people ages 18 to 25 report feeling unloved. 43% of people ages 18 to 25 report feeling unloved. This is, this is another one. 73% of millennials, that's, that's between ages 25 and 40 years old, are feeling lonely. 73% of millennials, 25 to 40. 22% of Gen X's, uh, Gen X members say they are lonely and have no friends. That's ages 41 to 56. Statistics show, watch this though, watch this. This is a secular, by the way guys, look at me everybody, this is a secular reporting agency, all right? This is a secular reporting agency. But watch what they said about religious people. And that's how they termed it, religious people. Statistics show that people who attend religious services regularly often report feeling less lonely than people who only attend intermittently throughout the year or do not attend church at all. Still, church attendance continues to decline throughout many countries, which may explain why loneliness (laughs) continues to be a persistent challenge among many demographics. For example, a majority of people in the U.S. report only going to religious services a few times a year. The number of people who attend monthly or weekly is under 50%. The larger share of people who attend are those older than millennials, which themselves report feeling lonelier than their older generations. Maybe that's why some of the older crowd is not feeling as lonely, because they go to church. They're connected. Now listen, I, 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 did I have to read any of that for you guys to already know that? I didn't. But listen, I, one of the things that, that, really, that really shocked me was the younger ages. The younger ages. And, and listen, we've got to lead by example. Amen. We got to lead by example. Now, I want to give you just a, a few things that can happen uh, in your life groups. You say, preacher, why should I get connected? Uh, I gave you the illustration there in your notes. The huge redwood trees in California, uh, they're the largest living things on earth and the tallest trees in the world. Some of them are 300 feet high and more than 2,500 years old. Now, you would think that that trees that large would have a tremendous root system reaching down hundreds of feet into the earth, but that's not the case. Redwoods have a very shallow root system. The roots of these trees are, however, intertwined. They're connected to each other. They are tied in with each other, interlocked. Thus, when the storms come and the winds blow, the redwoods will stand. With an interlocking root system, they support and sustain each other. They need one another to survive. And guess what? So do we. So do we. Now listen, here's what I want you to write down. Let's take notes real quick. I got to go fast because I really want to get out early so you can stop by and check out the tables. But, But number one, what does a life group do for me? What does a life group do for me? First of all, it gives you an atmosphere... To practice. It gives you an atmosphere to practice. You say, preacher, what am I supposed to practice? All the one another's in the Bible. All the one another's in the Bible. Those things that God told you guys to practice one with another. Now, let me give you a few of them. I'll put them right there in your notes. Look here. Look what it says. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that ye... Love one another. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor. 
preferring one another. So we got we to gotta love one another. We got to prefer one another. Uh, Romans 15, 7. Wherefore, receive. receive ye one another as Christ also received us to glory. Romans 15, 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Galatians 5.13, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, oh boy, serve one, say that one again, serve one another. Ephesians 4.2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, all spouses, say it with me. Forbearing one another. And Ephesians 4.32. And be ye one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Wherefore comfort yourselves together and you can say one another too. You ready? And so that means build up, encourage. Uh, Hebrews 3.13. But Exhort one another daily, encourage, lift up, help, motivate, push forward every day. Hebrews ten twenty four, And let us, say it again, let us, that means to think about. All of these one another's here, all of these one another, consider one another, uh, uh, exhort one another, admonish one another, look, why y'all flipping, flip them back, flip them back, I ain't through yet. Listen, stay right where you're at. Now watch, now watch. We're supposed to be doing that one with another. You cannot do the majority of those things in here. You can't do that. But you can do it in the living room somewhere. You can do it in a restaurant somewhere. You can do it, hey, hello, in a hospital room somewhere. You know what? Let me, let me, can I be, I'm a, I'm, I, I've been really praying about this and, I, and I, I'm, I, I've got to be transparent for just a second. Just a second. Uh, we have created a system in America, in church, that has bottlenecked and almost destroyed the church where it cannot expand and grow. Because we have created a, an, uh, a machine, if you will, where the people come and spectate and feel like they pay somebody to do all these things for them. You see, in most churches, if you'll say, uh, the, all these things here, oh, that's what the preacher does. Well, let me, let me help you with that. In the book of Acts, chapter number 6, uh, we see the churches exploding. And, and I've heard people say, well, that's the excuse. That's why you mega churches, y'all can't. I go to a small church where my preacher can take care of me. Well, let me help you with this. The very first church there ever was was a mega church. Had thousands of people. Look at Acts chapter number two. Thousands of people. And there come a day when, when there was a specific ministry, when there was a specific ministry that began to struggle and had some problems. It happened to be feeding widows. And, and the Greek widows, or the out-of-town widows, if you will, felt like they were being neglected because the local widows felt like they, was getting every, or they, they were getting everything, and, they were, and so there was a problem, right? Everybody wasn't getting the food they felt like they deserved to eat. And so they come to the disciples, and they said, fix this. And this is what they said. This is what the disciples said. This is what the apostles said. You fix it. That's what it says. Go look, Acts 6. He said, you choose people from you and you handle this. And we are going to commit ourselves to prayer and the word of God. Now, preacher, what are you getting at? I, I, am, a, I am a preacher's preacher. I love preachers, even though a lot of them been irritating me lately. <laughs> I'm getting real jaded. Preacher, I'm telling you, I'm getting jaded. I, I'm, I'm trying not to, but... But I am seeing them running themselves ragged, trying to accomplish all of the commands that God gave you guys for each other, and they are neglecting the word. And there is an anemic 
spirit on the church in America because there's an ignorance of the true word of God because the word of God is not being preached because preachers are running around ragged trying to do your job. We're to care one for another. We're to love one another. We're to prefer one another. We're to consider one another. We're to minister to each other. But we, we get this idea that, that we, we pay a staff to do that. I don't have to. No, you, you, you've totally missed it. You've totally missed it. That's why there are so many tiny churches. Because that's all that poor guy can handle. Amen. And he don't have time to study. He don't have time to pour over and dig and research in the word. Because he is trying to pick up the slack from the people who are not loving, caring, preferring, admonishing one another. And let me, like, while I'm here, on the subject. You know, for a long time, for a long time, people all the time say, Preacher, you need to get yourself some help. You need to get yourself some help. You need to get yourself some help. I got myself some help. And then when I sent the help to you, you got mad because it wasn't me. (laughs) What good does it have to have help if I can't use them? Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we need to stop a minute and understand our responsibility of doing one for another. Now, we can't help you if you don't get connected. I've had people call the church. I've had people call the church and get angry. You didn't call us when we were in the hospital. Are you in a life group? No. Then how do we know you was in the hospital? You, you see, you see, you want all the benefits and the blessings of a large church, but you don't want to fulfill your end of the responsibility of getting involved in the way that we keep up and care for people. So if you don't, if you don't, if you're not willing to get connected, then you shouldn't get mad. Hello? Because, see, this is our atmosphere that we've created to care one for another. I can't tell you how many times that I have seen people in a hospital in their life group all around them. At funeral homes with their life group all around them. Uh, Brother Speakman, can you say amen to that right there? Was your life group a great blessing to you in your situation? Time after time after time after time. Now listen, if you want that, if you want that care, and you want that blessing, you want that encouragement, please be willing to take the steps necessary to make sure it happens. And hey, I can't force you to do anything. I can't. You're grown people. I've had to learn that the hard way. And you're going to do whatever you're going to do. And I got to quit taking it so personally. Uh, but, but listen here. You got to do me a favor. If you're not willing to get committed, then keep your attitude to yourself. Amen. 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 All right. For all you visitors, that wasn't for y'all. <laughs> One another. One another. You know, I had this plan. <clears throat> I had this plan to lay out all the statistics of all the preachers quitting. And it's more staggering than the loneliness statistics. Listen, there's a reason that's happening. It's not because they don't love the ministry, because they do love the ministry. It Just, amen. Let me just put it that way. And all God's people say it. Now, you thought that was the hard one? That's not. This one's the hard one. What what does life groups do? It creates an atmosphere where I can practice 
loving one another and caring for one another and admonishing one another, encouraging one another. Listen, helping each other. But here's a biggie. Here's a biggie. It's a place for accountability. It's a place for accountability. Now, I know this is a dirty word, and I almost left this out because I was too scared I was going to make y'all mad. But the Holy Spirit was going to be mad if I didn't, and I'd rather you be mad than him be mad. Accountability. We don't like accountability. We don't like to have to answer to anyone. We don't like to have to give a reason. Accountability, the definition is the state of being liable to answer for one's conduct. You see, that's why many people get to church late and leave early. Because they don't want any expectations. They don't want to be accountable. And some people even go to a big church. And if this is you, I'm I'm talking to you. They go to a big church so they can blend in. And, 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 and we can get there late, nobody talk to us, leave early so nobody can talk to us, and we can just kind of move in and move out with no accountability, no expectation, and we can just do what we want. Well, if that's you, find somewhere else. Listen, I, I'm, I'm telling you, and I'm not being angry and I'm not being frustrated, but I've been in my soaps this week. I've been challenged. Paul was concerned about the faith of all his people. He was concerned about the faithfulness of all of his people. And he prayed for it. He taught about it. He scolded them for it. And I'm telling you, if you're here to skate and just get by with no expectations and no accountability, this is not the church for you because we are a church that wants to serve God and be obedient to him and follow his will in every step of the way. This is not a place to skate. This is not a place to blend in. We need you. We need you. We need you. Listen, the greatest misconception of a large church is they don't need my help. They don't need my service. Oh, no, 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 honey. We need you. And by the way, you need it. Listen, accountability. I'm, I'm in a training group in Chicago that that we do Zoom in Chicago. And man, there's been a real emphasis on accountability because with disciples making disciples, that's the number one, that's the number one ingredient in making disciples is accountability, being accountable to people to do what you're supposed to do. And, and, and I just felt just an emphasis on my own accountability, my own accountability. And, and I, I called Dr. Finch and I said, man, this is, this is on my mind. Help me with this. And we, we have set up a three different, fa- actually a four phase accountability with questions that, that, that my team has to ask me. Questions that my inner, my inner circle has to ask me. Uh, uh, questions that I have uh, some seasoned saints in here that are going to ask me that I'm putting together that, that I got from him. He's going to do a monthly call to check on me to make sure accountability. Why? Because every great failure, you could trace it back to a lack of accountability. Every great man of God that failed, every single one, we can go back and I'm going to show it to you next week. Those in the Bible, David, what a great man of God, a man of God after God's own heart. He failed in incredible wicked sin because he didn't have accountability. And so preacher, what are you saying? I'm trying to say this. I'm encouraging you to get in a group so you can have a sense of accountability. And I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done in a greater fashion. I want to lead by example. Accountability is so important. Accountability is so important. It will help you in every area of your life, not just your Christian life. It will help you in your health. It will help you in your relationships. Accountability is so important. You need to have some people that are going to miss you if you're not here. You need to have some people that will be concerned about you if, if something goes off the rails. That will be able to come to you and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm concerned about this. Hey, I see this, 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 and this. this. Listen, is there any, what can we do to help? Everybody needs it. Everybody needs it. Accountability. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Iron sharpeneth iron. Say it with me. 
So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Watch this now. Watch this. Anybody ever sharpened an axe or sharpened a knife? You wet the edge. Y'all know what I'm saying? What happens? It creates friction. Friction, by the way, creates heat. Preacher, what are you saying? Sometimes if somebody holds you accountable, it's not always fun. But it sure is important. Watch, watch. Romans 15, 14. And I myself am persuaded of you, my brother, Paul speaking, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. So, so can we say this? Paul, the greatest preacher besides the Lord Jesus ever on this planet. Can we say that? He is instructing Christians that we should admonish one another. Right? Is that what y'all read? Now let's look at the definition. Here's Webster's 1828 definition to admonish. Read it with me. To Okay, I'll read it. <clears throat> to, <laughs> to express warning or disapproval to, especially in a gentle, earnest manner. Preacher, I don't want somebody to say they disapprove of anything. That's why you're headed for a fall. Everybody needs accountability. Now I wouldn't be I wouldn't be so well John dogmatic, I guess that's a good word. Dogmatic, persistent about this. If I hadn't seen how good it works in disciples making disciples. Listen, if you don't have accountability in your life, you're heading for disaster. We all need somebody to prod us on. And encourage us. Well none of my friends tell me anything. Well then you don't have friends. Because a friend will tell you. A friend will. Hello. Let me say this. The Bible says the kisses of an enemy is deceit. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. <laughs> now, typically we would associate a kiss from a friend and a wound from an enemy. But watch this. If your people only tell you what you want to hear and only tell you nice things, they're your enemy. But if somebody's willing to wound you a little bit to help you, they are your friend. That's what the word admonish means. Well, I don't see this in the New Testament. Oh, watch, watch. Galatians 2, 11. But when Peter was, at, was come to Antioch, this is Paul speaking. You see, Peter, he was all about hanging out with the Gentiles uh, until the Jews from Jerusalem came to town. And then he separated himself from the Gentiles. And no, I'm not going to be with it. What a hypocrite. Well, Paul saw that hypocrite. Watch what he said. I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Was, was Paul Peter's enemy? No. He was his friend. Said, man, you ought not do this. That ain't right. First Chronicles 21. Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan. Bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my, my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass in Israel? He's saying this to the king. And by the way, if you don't understand what that, David, God said, never do that. Never do that. So, so David is fixing to do something God said never to do. And there was a man brave enough to look David in the face and say, what are you doing? 
What are you doing? Accountability. We all need it. Husbands, you need it. Anybody on anybody got technology? You can be on you can be on the internet. Raise your hand if you can be on the internet. You got the ability to be on the internet. Raise your hand real high. Come on, don't be ashamed. That's how many people need accountability. You need to have your technology, your device. You need to have something on it where somebody besides you sees where you go on that thing. The devil just made it so easy. Man, back in the day, back in the day, if you was going to look at a dirty book, you had to go buy one. Well, most people wouldn't do that because they'd get seen. Well, now it's so easy. Nobody will ever know. They will if you got accountability on them. It'll help you. Amen. Listen, number three. Let's put some ointment in the wounds. What, what, is, what does life groups do for me, number one? It gives me an atmosphere to practice my commands. What God has commanded me to do. Life groups get, is a place for accountability. We live life together. We encourage one another. We check on each other if we miss. That's accountability. Number three, accompany with me in my pain. It gives me people to hurt when I hurt. This is encouraged by the scriptures, by the way. Watch what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25. God created the body, the church, in such a way that there would be no schism in the body. But that the members should have the same care, one for, there's another one, one for, watch this. This is what we're supposed to do. Whether one member suffer, all the, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Preacher, what are you saying? Being in a life group means you won't have to go through your pain alone. One of the saddest things I ever saw in my life. I was in the, I was in the waiting room. I was in the waiting room of the trauma area at the Huntsville Hospital. When, when Andrew had his wreck and was going through what he was going through and and, and we were there days on end, and, and many of y'all remember going there and, and being a part of that. And you had to go wait in a certain hallway before they would open the doors to the intensive care unit at the, at the visitation times where you could go in. And I remember sitting there with, with, with Andrew's family and, and several from the church that were there. And, and, and this was a regular thing. This was a regular thing. Anytime I was up there, there was somebody different from the church that was up there. A lot of times people that was connected to either Holly and them or, or with Andrew. And so we're sitting there, we're sitting there in this hallway waiting for the door to open. And I, I glanced over and there was a young lady that was sitting on the floor. She was probably, she was probably 19 or 20 years old. And she was sitting on the, on, the, on, the, on the ground with her arms around her legs, her head between her knees, and she was weeping all by herself. And I just couldn't take it. And so I, I, I went over there and I, I put my hand on her shoulder and I said, ma'am, I said, are you okay? And she just lifted up and looked at me with the saddest eyes I think I've ever saw. She said, my mom is all I got. And they're going to have to take her off the machine. She was sitting there alone. Her mom was fixing to die. And she had nobody. My heart broke. I prayed for her. I said, hey, if, if you need anything, we've got a crew of people over here. Just... 
And I turned around as soon as I turned from that picture in my head. I turned around and I saw the body of Christ. I saw the body of Christ connected with one another, caring one for another, loving one another, encouraging one another. I said, that's what it's about. God never meant for us to go through this alone. Listen, I don't usually quote Mother Teresa, but I will this morning. She said the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. Pearl Buck, who was the 1938 Nobel Prize winner for literature, she wrote, the person who tries to live alone will not succeed as a human being. His heart withers if he does not answer another heart. His mind shrinks away if he hears only the echoes of his own thoughts and finds no other inspiration. Human beings are instinctively social animals. It is natural for us to feel alone or lonely when isolated from others. As a tribal species, our brains are designed to rely on social connections as a means to survive. In fact, according to neuroscientist John Cassiopo, who made a career out of studying loneliness, watch what he says. The absence of social connection triggers the same primal alarm bells as hunger, thirst, and physical pain. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we're not supposed to be alone. It's, it's encouraged by the scriptures. It's exampled by the Savior. I'll say this and we'll pray. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. This is important. This is important. I want you to see this picture. I want you to see this picture. After the Last Supper, Jesus takes his disciples and he goes into a garden and he tells them, he knows he's fixing to go through the most brutal beating, the most unbelievable, painful night he's ever experienced. He's fixing to go through the brutality of the cross. He's fixing to go through the beating of the cat of nine tails. He's fixing to experience the pain of being nailed to a cross and hanging there for hours and hours and hours. He's fixing to experience a separation between him and his father who for eternity he's always been in fellowship with. He's going into the very darkest night of his life. And he leaves Jerusalem and cuts across the Kidron Valley and he's walking up and he gets to the, he gets to the Mount of Olives and he tells the disciples and says, you pray here. And he says, he says to Peter, James and John, his inner circle, his very closest friends. And he takes them a little further. And he says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Please watch and pray with me. You know what's happening? The very darling son of God, the king of glory, the God man is saying, I'm experiencing something that's darker than I've ever experienced. And watch, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone in this. I don't want to be alone in my darkest hour. I don't want to be alone in my suffering. They fall asleep and he comes and wakes them up. This is so serious. This is so devastating to Christ. He wakes him up and says, I don't want to be alone. Will you stay up with me? If the Son of God needed somebody, You and I sure need somebody. 
You're going to go through a traumatic situation. You're going to go through a difficult time. You're going to go through a hard situation. And I'm going to tell you the greatest thing you could ever have is people around you saying, here we are. What do you need? Here we go. And see, if all you ever do is watch online and you don't have the ability to get connected, you need to change that. You need to start attending somewhere where you can get, listen, connected to real life flesh and blood people. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as you see the day approaching. That's not just talking about to have church. We should be gathering together. We should be eating meals together. We should be praying together. We should be crying together. We should be rejoicing together. We should be encouraging one another together. And you can't do that in here. You can't, we don't have time. We don't have time in this atmosphere for everybody to say, hey, let's give a praise. Anybody got a testimony? But in that living room, Around some banana pudding. That's going to be at the marriage supper of lamb. I promise you that. And you know what's going to be so great? It will be calorie free. You can sit around people who are going through what you're going through. One of the coolest things I ever saw, and I'm going to say this. I know I'm over time, but it's, i got to say this. We had one particular group one time. One particular group one time. Where there was an older couple and a younger couple's group. A little weird dynamic. You know, we want to always cookie cut everything. Oh, no, you're too old for them people. Or you're too young or you have kids and these don't have kids and all this kind of stuff. Well, I've learned organic's better. But this older couple is in this group of younger couples who have little kids. And their little kids were hellions. <laughs> what can I say? I guess it spared the rod too much. I don't know, but they're little hoodlums. And these parents were just at their end of their rope. And so they brought it up in the group. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the other young people said, I don't know, mine's just as bad. I don't know what to do. Well, it kind of, then all of a sudden that older couple who'd been there, done that, didn't kill their kids. <laughs> said, let me, let me tell you what we did when ours was acting that way. And they said the whole group just went, That's what it's about. Living life together. Encouraging one another, helping one another. I'll give you this one more. This is great. We had, I was in, I was in uh, uh, Sweet, Sweet Peppers with another preacher from Tennessee. I got a phone call. And there was a, there was a life group who, who one, of the, one of the ladies in the life group was fixing to have a baby she was pregnant, and there was a problem. And so they had to rush her down to St. Vincent's. So he's calling me. This is a life group leader. He's calling me. He's like, hey, man, so let me tell you what's going on. I said, okay. I said, uh, I said do I need to come down there? He said, he said well, I don't know yet. Let me, let me, I, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. As soon as I get there, I'll find out what's going on. I'll call you back. I said, okay. So about 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, maybe, phone rings. So I answer it. I said, hey, man. And you know how you can tell there's noise in the background? That there's, not, there's more than just a few people there? That's what it sounded like. So I'm talking to him, and he said, hey, man, everything's okay. They, they just had to run a couple of tests. The baby's fine. She's fine. Everything's going to be good. I said, man, what's all that noise? He said, well, the life group beat me down here. Amen. When the life group leader walked in, the whole life group was already there. 
I said, do I need to come down? They said, nope, we got it. I said, glory. Say, why didn't she need you? She had her family. That's what it means. That's what it means. One particular day, Sunday, I had a funeral in Hansville. I'm never on that side of town on Sunday. Never. Just happened to be a Sunday afternoon funeral in Hansville. Coming back through. How many of y'all remember when Fire Mountain was there? I think it's Ryan's now or Golden Corral or something. And, and so me and Tammy stopped and we was going to get something to eat. And so we went in. I seen a couple from the church. And I said, I'm going to go say hey. So Tammy was finished paying. I walked over to the table. And I, I said, I said, hey, guys. And they both was eating, looked up at me and went. <sighs> now, that's not unusual. Because <clears throat> the way I preach, I'm always making somebody mad. And I said, well, how y'all doing? And this is what they said. This is what they said. Preacher, we're sorry. We overslept this morning. We, we missed church this morning. I had no idea. <laughs> we're sorry. We missed church this morning. They looked up at me. I said, that's why I'm here. <clears throat> I didn't know. I have people all the time. I have people all the time. I went into I went into Marvin's the other day, and I'm standing not Marvin, excuse me, uh, Tractor Supply, and I'm standing. I walk up to the counter, a lady I've never seen before in all of my life. Says, "Hey, preacher, I've learned. Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> I'm standing there paying my meal, and another gentleman passes by and says, "Hey, preacher, I've never seen him before in my life. How you doing, preacher? What are you saying? I don't have to know everybody." I don't have to know everybody. I can't know everybody. I miss call my kids. I, I go through three names before I get the right one. It has to be the right one. It's the last one. That's not an issue if you're connected. We're in this thing together. We're going together. Please do me a favor. Please do me a favor. Get connected. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Preacher, I tried it one time and I don't like it. Try it again. Try it again. First time I tried broccoli, I didn't like it either. But after a while, I see somebody back there don't like broccoli neither. I, get connected. I beg you, plead with you, help us. If you want to be cared for in the greatest way possible, get connected. And all God's people say it.